Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Rude. And I'm Robin Rude. This week, we are talking to John Miller Steiger, the director of the Federal Trade Commission's East Central Region. He told us about his career in consumer protection, including during the coronavirus. He also discusses his love of musical theater. In keeping with social distance guidelines, we spoke with John virtually through FaceTime. John Miller Steiger, thank you so much for joining us virtually on Cleveland Schmooze. It's Yay. great. It's great to be here, <laughs> wherever here is. <laughs> well, here for us is our uh, the kitchen table, family <laughs> living our kitchen table, and then for you, you're in your home, right? Right. I'm just in what uh, I guess does usually get used as an office, but now we've got two kids. My wife normally works at home. My wife Darby, and now I'm teleworking too. So we have to figure out the spacing. Wow. So this is our first ever virtual. Cleveland Schmooze interview, which is very exciting. Yeah. We are practicing safe social distancing. Right. I did did ask to see if we could come to the shul, and they said, no. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. So it's a crazy time for us. It's a crazy time for you, I'm sure, at the Federal Trade Commission. Um, And we'll get into all that. But um, first, what we like to do is just sort of learn a little bit about your upbringing and your... Uh, Jewish background, any traditions you remember growing up, and just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so actually, uh, Judaism was always a huge part of my upbringing. Um, I'm lucky enough to be part of an extended family. My dad is, uh, or was one of four boys uh, that all grew up in Cleveland, and their families all grew up in Cleveland. So As early as I can remember, we would have Shabbat lunch together, all my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, and um, and my cousins. We would get together for lunch and just have a good time, but also talk about the Parsha of the week, talk about what's going on in the world. Um, And uh, just those are some of my fondest memories, you know, of all is is that uh, that those conversations. Do you still manage to do that? Uh, Well, so in. My immediate family, including my parents, when they're in town, we get together more often on uh, Friday night for Shabbat dinner and blessings. Um, but the uh, the whole getting together, no, that's gotten a lot harder. We still get together for m- most of the holidays with the extended family, which is wonderful. Right, right, right. I grew up that way also. Every week, depending on a Friday night at a grandparent's house or Sunday Sometimes we would go to Shaker Lakes, do a picnic, or my aunt or uncle's house, either way. We did, and my cousins and I um, can tell you stories. We know everything about everybody. (laughs) And it's hard in this generation. I'm trying to do that with my family, keep Mm -hmm. everybody together. But it's hard, you know, your generation, you've moved. A lot of you guys have moved, and you're here. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. Did you have siblings, you said? Uh, yes, I have a sister. Uh, she now lives outside of Philadelphia, so you know we, we can't uh, recreate it that way also. But 
Uh, we actually now, since we're doing this interview virtually, uh, one of the things that we've done is um, we have a group, I guess it's just a text, but a group text that goes out every Friday afternoon, my sister and me and both of my parents and, uh, you know, Shabbat Shalom, how's everybody doing? Aww. So it's at least a virtual check-in every Shabbat, which is nice. That's right. really nice. That is good. Um, you. Were you guys raised conservative? So uh, I would always tell people that I was raised conservadox. Mm-hmm. Um, we belonged to Taylor Road Synagogue, and we would go, when I was younger at least, we would go most every Shabbat for uh, Saturday morning for services. But we would drive to Berkowitz Cumin, park in their parking lot, and then walk uh, <laughs> across right. the street. Sure. You know, so we walked to Shul, right, you know. Right, right. Technically. Just technically, right. right. We walked into the Shul. And we kept kosher growing up. Uh, we would go to restaurants, though, as long as you know we were uh, careful about the ingredients. So it was uh, a different level of kashrut. Did your family um, go to China Gate? No, no. In my, <laughs> we we were not uh, very adventuresome eaters, so I don't remember ever going to Chinese because food. Because in our family, my grandmother, my mother's mother, kept a kosher home. But they sneaky went to China Gate. <laughs> ah. Well, we had an interesting arrangement where it was my dad and my sister and I would keep kosher everywhere, you know, with the that one caveat that we would eat at a restaurant as long as we just ate vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom did not keep kosher at a restaurant. So she didn't grow up keeping kosher. She grew up Cincinnati Reform. Oh, uh, wow. So this was the compromise. Um, and uh, And then interestingly with, my family, we had sort of a similar thing where uh, my kids and I would keep kosher inside the house, but also outside of the house. And uh, Darby uh, doesn't keep kosher at a you know at a restaurant. And the deal was, when the kids turn eighteen, they get to decide what they do. Ah, okay. And have any of them turned eighteen? Uh, my oldest has turned eighteen, and she does not wow. keep kosher anymore. Although <laughs> she uh, she you know. Hasn't gone hog wild, excuse the expression. <laughs> Great. Um, but, uh, but my son is planning his 18th birthday all around the restaurants that he's going to go to. Nice. <laughs> well, there you go. Like, what's yeah. on his list? McDonald's? <laughs> no, no, no. He's got, uh, he's got, and I have, I think, uh, the pancake house in the morning so we can have bacon. Oh. And uh, mm-hmm. and then shrimp somewhere in there. And... <laughs> right, right, right. That's hilarious. I yeah. think that's part of Jewish culture also, quite frankly. You know, if a lot of the Southern Jews, um, if you read some of the stories, um, they would always hide shrimp in their freezer. Oh. Or they would have a star. Uh, you, you were Jewish when you had a Christmas tree, but you didn't have a star at the top. Uh, it, it was a. It's we're all. I think as a culture, you know, you've got to fit in. You've got to figure out how to fit in somehow. Right. And so we we do things like that. Do you wish that your kids continued to keep kosher? Uh, I I hope that they will decide to uh, keep kosher. I like that they have the choice, um, and I hope that that is a choice that they'll make and they can do what they want now they can do what they want forever obviously but I, i'm right, hoping right. that when they when it comes time for them to have a family that they'll come back to uh, at least some version of this well i think vegetarianism which a lot of people are going to and the you know the impossible and beyond meat and all of that 
is truly making it much easier to follow that kind of a lifestyle. Um, But to have the discussion about why and what Mm -hmm. um, is still important, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. And did you do any like Jewish related camps growing up? Because you mentioned Camp Wise. I wasn't sure if you went or if that's where your kids went. Um, yeah, I, I grew up going to Camp Wise. Wow. Um, I grew up with the, uh, <laughs> uh, with the JCC, uh, doing a lot with the JCC, but Camp Wise was definitely my home away from home. Um, Me too. Yeah. Rachel went to Camp Wise. They, yeah. all, oh. they all grew up at JCC. We all went to Camp Wise. Because I couldn't afford to go. Uh, and so that's my uncle went to Camp Wise when he was a child back in the day, but my family couldn't afford it. So when I figured when, you know, we got married and had children, they're doing everything that I could never afford to do as a child. So when was the last year that Arud was at Camp Wise? Oh, boy. Oh, Sarah. Or no, sorry, the I first mean, year. The first year, I guess. Oh, that's the first the, year? Oh. Well, one year we had all of them there. Uh, all of how, uh, how Sherry young? and Rich's kids, my nieces and nephews. and uh, So one year there was seven Right, but how young can you start? Like seven years old? Oh, well, uh, Shana, something like that. Shana yeah. wouldn't go until Shelly was old enough to go. So what was it? You can go at Maybe seven. Maybe ninety four is like the earliest. Yeah. So my last year was ninety one. Oh, we just I, uh, missed you. Yeah. Years. That's yeah, funny. That's <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, well, I was there as a camper for a bunch of years, and then I was the uh, drama specialist there for uh, wow. a bunch of years. So. Well, I did drama when I was there. That was always so much fun. <laughs> it was. It was. It was amazing. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was the place to just be your truest self and be that in a Jewish environment. It was amazing. Did your kids go to... Uh, Camp Wise too? Both of my kids went to Camp Wise, um, and uh, my daughter was actually a staff person out there nice. last summer. She started their lacrosse program, oh, so that awesome. was exciting. That's great. Vador, Vador. <laughs> <laughs> when you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. When did you come to B'nai Asherin? Um, Soon after we moved here. So I grew up in Cleveland and then mm-hmm. uh, lived in a couple of other places, mainly in the D.C. area uh, after school. And mm-hmm. um, my wife and I got married, as one does to a wife. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and then we had our daughter living in the D.C. area, living in Bethesda, Maryland, and we realized that we wanted to raise her around family. Mm-hmm. So we moved back here and um, and started to look for congregations, and we decided on uh, B'nai Sharon. So that was so you didn't around... grow up at B'nai Sharon. No, not at all. It was always Taylor Road. I went right. to Taylor Road Nursery School, oh. and then yeah, when I was a kid, and then I, we grew up at Park Synagogue, and then. When Park refused to build their building out east, once we moved out to the South Russell area, then um, we ended up going to B'nai Sharon. Because it was the most farthest east at the time they built the building in 1979. Hmm. So that's how I got there. So you were in the D.C. area, and that's how you got interested in working for the FTC? Uh, Well, I... 
wanted to work somewhere in the federal government. I, after law school, I clerked for a judge in Detroit, um, Avern Cohn, who is a big member of the Jewish community there. He's actually related to Sandy Levin and who was a congressman from the Detroit area. Hmm. Um, so there's a whole bunch of cousins that are congressmen and senators and judges. And, oh, man. Um, yeah, amazing. Uh, so I clerked for him for two years and then needed to find a permanent job. And I knew that I wanted to try and work for the federal government. And the Federal Trade Commission was one of just a couple of places that I was looking at. So that's where I ended up. What drew you to wanting to work in consumer protection uh, specifically? Well, the, uh, you know, the idea of being there, being a lawyer in a way that could just help people. I mean, everything that we do at the Federal Trade Commission is all about helping individuals. It's about um, either doing antitrust work to make sure that there's fair competition and good prices, or what I've been doing my whole career there, which is the mm -hmm. consumer protection side, making sure that companies are being honest with consumers and not taking advantage of them. And I don't know, I mean, I, I guess I always wanted to help people uh, through the law, figure out the best way that I could help people and help improve the country. Uh, was raised to believe in, in public service. I think that also comes from the Jewish upbringing that I got. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we learn is about helping those who need help. And uh, so this was a perfect match and the, the type of law was interesting and it would allow me to get into court, which I thought I would want to do and I do. Uh, so it all worked together. This is where I'm, I'm really interested in what's going on now with you and the, um, the people out there who try to take advantage of a crisis that we're in right now. I'm, it's something that the governor of Ohio has warned about, um, scams when it comes to the coronavirus. Um, what have you been seeing in the last couple of weeks? I'm curious. Like with the masks. <laughs> Well, there, there are, you know, just like you were saying, unfortunately, the scammers follow the news. And whatever issue is going on, there's going to be scams surrounding us. So we saw it, you know, every time there was a hurricane, we saw it um, when SARS was here. There were scammers of all sorts. So um, what we've seen is, unfortunately, a lot of uh, fake cures. So people marketing things that they say are going to help protect you from the coronavirus or cure you right, if you I have the coronavirus. Um, and we're, we're definitely seeing that and saw that almost immediately. Our agency sent warning letters to a bunch of uh, companies that are doing that, reminding them of what the law is and that we're keeping an eye on them. Um, so that's one thing that we've seen. We see uh, fake charities, which is really... One of the worst things I think I've ever seen Ugh. at the agency is the, and right. again, it pops up every time, um, where the scammers will say, you know, give here in order to help coronavirus victims. So, mm. you know, one is that it's taking people's money, right? Um, but it's also preventing that money from going to places that might actually legitimately help. It's going to taking money away from the legitimate charities. Yeah. Mm. Um, so That's it's awful. really... It's awful. And, and there are other scams. There's fake investment scams where, you know, this drug company has figured out uh, what to do about the coronavirus invest now. And then right. there's the clickbait of here's an email or a text message. 
click on this link for the latest information about the coronavirus mm -hmm. and what they're really doing is putting software on your phone or on your computer that's mm -hmm. going to steal your identity. Mm. Yeah. I always wonder how how hard it is to do your job and still have faith in humanity. <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, yeah. He could so do a tour about this. Right, right. So, uh, you know, there is always a part of me that was a little neurotic. Um, and being in this job has definitely increased that part of me. Oh, man. Um, but, you know, it's interesting um, because we do see you know, the just really awful people taking advantage of people um, that can least afford to be taken advantage of. I mean, I, I remember uh, as I was investigating this one scam and I was talking to a victim. We always are talking to the victims to get their stories. And the woman said, you know, things never worked out for me. I thought maybe this one time in my life, things would work my way. Oh. And it was just heartbreaking to hear that. Yeah. Right. But but I guess at the same time, part of what helps me keep um, faith in people is even for her, um, even this person that was really like nothing had ever gone her way and someone had just scammed her out of hundreds of dollars that she didn't have. Her main concern was protecting other people. She said mm. again and again, I don't know if I'm going to get any money back, but I mm. want to make sure these guys are stopped so they don't hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a lot of it is mm -hmm. you know hearing the victims themselves that their concern is for protecting other people it's that's gives me a good recharge right that's good well it's a blessing what you do but i also want to talk about your um acting roles as uh, <laughs> ahashveros and were you ever uh mordecai, mordecai? mordecai? Yeah, right. you've never been Haman. <laughs> no right? no that's yeah, your, the role to... you have yet what we're talking about <laughs> is that every year maybe this is a way that you know there's some levity in your life from uh having to deal with such awful people on a day-to-day -day basis but um for the last couple of years except for this past year which we're very upset about yes we're you mad participated you in the financial and porm spiel <laughs> and you're like definitely one of the best guys that we have in uh <laughs> as much as we love everyone in the, else in the cast everyone's great <laughs> everyone pours their heart and soul into yes. that every year but you're well, very talented well and that now means... that i know that you were theater director of camp one yeah, now we know it is of because, course the reason right, why right it goes way back and, and of course you know hearing that from you rachel is really something because you are amazing uh, incredibly talented <laughs> Um, I take all the this credit is why for her we talent. Him up. <laughs> right. <laughs> there no, you but, go. So tell us about your love of theater and what brought you to the Pormspiel. Um, well, I've loved theater my whole life. I love particularly musical theater uh, my whole life. I, I must have been probably, I don't know, three or four uh, when I got my first paying gig when my uncle paid me to sing uh, L'Chaim from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Nice. Um, at uh, at a family bar mitzvah, uh, so um, so cute. And, and my mom is a big musical theater fan, and wow. she we so we grew up listening to the eight tracks, as you remember the the yes. sound. The you don't. <laughs> I do. We listened to the eight tracks of Fiddler and Oklahoma. Wait, were you in Sound of Music? 
Ever? Oh, did you ever do, aside from Camp Wise, did you do, like, Wiley Youth Theater or... Um, uh, yeah, no, or I... Or Heights I, Youth Theater? I, I didn't do that. I, it's interesting. I, I don't know why. Um, my theater growing up was all at Camp Wise. I did one play, a straight play, in high school. But then when I was in college, I made up for it, and I just did... I think I did 13 shows in the four years that I was there. So three a year averaging. But look um, at you and law school. Theater major. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, wait, what? Were you a theater major or you just did it for fun? Um, Really just for fun, but I took a lot of classes. So one of the great things about Michigan is they have an amazing musical theater program with uh, some really talented people, some recent Tony winners who came out of there. Um, but they were good about letting people who weren't in the major take some classes. So I, oh, I nice. even though I didn't major in it, uh, I did take a bunch of classes and, uh, and it was wonderful. I mean, I, I just, I loved it and then, and I still do. And so, yeah, the Purim spiel was, uh, you know, was a great thing when I, Benina Sharon started to do it. It's, you know, it uh, doesn't require a whole lot of investment of time. And Not a right. lot of time, catchy tunes right <laughs> in the middle of winter. So it gives you right. something to look forward to. Yeah. Right. And actually Lynn Eulish, who uh, directs it, she was my first boss at Camp Wise. She was the director of Camp no. Wise when I was wow. a CIT there. Wow. So, wow. We got to interview Cleveland Lynn. Yeah. She's incredibly talented. So. Right. Yeah. She's right. a great director. And just like has a great sense of, you know, what we can handle <laughs> right. in a short amount of time, right. what needs to get cut. Right. And it right. always comes together. You never think it will, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was really fun to just be in the audience this year and just to be able to sit back and enjoy, uh, you know, what you all were performing. It was really fun. Uh, apparently there's an ABBA version of uh, the Bornspiel. Uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, I want to do Hamilton. Evidently, he wrote Hamilton. No, I don't think that we so. sang that in the in the song. Well, yeah, but I don't I don't know if he wrote a rap version. Oh, I don't that, know. I'm I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll find out. <laughs> we have I'm, to talk I'm, to Jerry Brodsky. But you're gonna do it next year, right? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, good. Wait, I have a question for you. What is your dream lead role? in a musical oh yeah oh you know it's 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 uh interesting and maybe a little embarrassing that i actually think about that <laughs> no, <laughs> no i don't think not it's that i would i think yeah. anyone who loves theater has right. thought about this question <laughs> well and and the maybe a little depressing part of it is that i've had to change <laughs> what the lead role is because i can't play oh. the same role that uh. i would have ever done growing up it was always pippin pippin was oh, my I favorite musical I in that part Pippin oh. in like new the, york the original, the original? when oh, wow. the original cast was doing pippin oh back wow in that's the 70s. do you want to bust out a corner of the sky for us yeah go ahead <laughs> no, no, no 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 thank you thank you that's like one of my favorite um musical songs i love i like singing that one yeah anyway. that, that's a great one and that was one in uh college where i i played lewis his brother which was really fun because uh, oh, it was just such a over-the-top uh, kind of role, just be as silly as possible. So that nice. was good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm too old to play Pippin now. <laughs> um, what else? I, <laughs> I have thought about it, but I guess I haven't come up with... Um, Maybe a Music Man 
um, uh, the lead in Music Man. Yeah, Music Man, that would be a good one. I do like the Patter song, so mm-hmm. Trouble would be amazing. Well, what do you want to sing? Well, I mean, now that Hamilton is out and it's amazing, maybe like an Eliza or uh, um, Angelica. But, you know, I really enjoy musicals. I like the singing parts. I feel like the acting comes a little harder for me than... Uh, so I, Which is why Pornspiel is perfect. It's perfect. I don't right. have to memorize anything. Little, I've got yeah. a book. <laughs> Costumes are come as you are. Yeah, it's so easy and it's so nice. I mean, you it's don't have to genius. It's we should do it more often. <laughs> Let's do Rosh Hashanah as Pornspiel. Right, right. You know, um, so I, you know, loving musical theater, I, it was really nice to be in the uh, Pornspiel. But then I also discovered an organization that I didn't know about for the first time whatever, 15 or 16 years, it's called the Musical Theater Project. And oh, I've yeah. gotten involved in them. They they do really? amazing work, yeah. Um, Is that Cleveland Public Theater or no? Obama? No, it's its, its own thing, um, oh. although they, they partner with different mm. theater groups. But they put on these shows. I mean, they do a bunch of different things, including working with kids and schools and using musical theater as a way, you know, sort of a, a way to interact with kids in, in a positive way. Um, but their main thing is they put on these concerts where usually there's a theme and they'll go through different musicals and you have live performers performing it. And then there's a little discussion. Um, the oh. guy who runs the program is Bill Rudman, who has oh, yeah. a he show on Sirius. Guy. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's on the radio and he has a show on, on um, satellite radio and is knows everything about musical theater. Just incredible. But he... You know, so you hear the song, and then mm-hmm. he will explain the the context of the song and what the composer was doing at that time and how it fit into the what was happening in American history at the time, mm-hmm. but all in a very um, fun, heartfelt way. It's it, it, you know when we get back to seeing shows, right? Uh, it's a great great organization. Wait, so what is your involvement with it? I'm on the board of trustees. Oh, awesome! Nice. Wait, so. So you don't get to perform with them? No, no. That's they. They have people who are far, far more talented than I am on it. People. But I just want to share with you that if you ever go to downtown Chagrin Falls, a uh, couple times a year, what they do is they have a drop-in sing-along, and it's oh, run yeah, by the Chagrin Falls High School music director, and the Chagrin Valley. Um, the chamber. Group, of the chamber of commerce, I think, oh. is coordinating us. But you can, and you look on a calendar and find out when they're doing it. They pick a song, and they have music for everyone. And you gather at Triangle Park, and the director directs, and it's all these strangers, and we sing. It's oh, hilarious. I've done it, I think, once or twice. It's oh, so much fun that. to do, yeah. Yeah. And then you go back and go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, so nice talking with you. Yeah. Thanks so much, and stay safe. Stay safe. Thank keep you very in touch. much. You, too. you know, tell your family we said hi and we'll keep our fingers crossed. This will be quick. Me too. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. 
That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>